and that God would bless our time here together. Such a such a, a privilege, you know. Uh, unless maybe you've been in a place or a time or had occasion where you were unable to be at a, at a time and a place where you could worship the Lord, or maybe if you and maybe if in your life there was a time and a place where, uh, like our brothers over in Africa, where where they didn't have didn't know the things that they know today. Uh, then maybe as we gather together, we'd have a greater appreciation for just being here and just thankful to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I, I, I think all, all of us from time to time, you know, we get a little bit uh, uh, soft and complacent about the fact that we have, that it's so convenient for us to be able to come out to the house of the Lord. Uh, in, in America, uh, there's a church on every, especially in the South, uh, there's a church on every corner. There's a place to worship everywhere you you turn. Uh, we have cars and uh, that make it easy for us to get there. We have uh, uh, radio programs and TV programs, you know, and, and whether it's all the things we believe. You can hear the Bible preached out there in a lot of different ways and a lot of different forms. And it's pretty easy uh, to do. You know, hey, there's the Internet. I mean, today, I mean, it's, you know, uh, good and evil is as close as your hip pocket, right? I mean, almost. I mean, things that could be a blessing to you and things that could be an absolute curse are sitting right here with us most all the time. So uh, having, the, having the opportunity to come out and assemble ourselves uh, and worship, which the Bible tells us to do, uh, is, is, uh, is so easy. I think we take it for granted. But anyway, so I want to turn, if we can, this morning... Uh, to the uh, 14th chapter of the book of John. Uh, I was there a few weeks ago uh, talking about a few things, but uh, we'll see if we can take just a little different turn at it this morning. Over last Sunday, we talked about the last week of Jesus' life, really the last six days or so, or while he had had journeyed from... uh, uh, probably eventually or originally from Galilee down into the Jericho area up to Jerusalem and up to Bethany uh, and how he spent that last week of his life and going in and out of the temple and uh, both teaching and answering questions and chasing people out, <laughs> chasing money changers out of the temple and all the things that he was doing and how uh, the chief priests were becoming more and more agitated at this man and uh, instead of recognizing that he was cleaning up a lot of their, uh, the things that they had brought into the, the house of worship, the, the, the temple of God that didn't need to be there and that he was answering their questions and them and all their legalism and their, uh, aloof, almighty attitude about we know everything, so we can't be taught anything. And and the Son of God was in their presence. I mean, you know, just what a what a humbling thing, you know, to think about here this morning. And so, <clears throat> hey, I'm just I'm just gonna pour it out uh, pour it out this morning a little bit and say, you know, and, and uh, as I try to preach and teach to people here. Uh, I know there's there's my thoughts and my comments coming in. A lot of times as I'm reading the Word of God, just remember uh, the Son of God and His words are in our presence. Uh, and so that's what uh, that's what we're here to study and do, to find out more about is what He said. So anyway, here in the 14th chapter of the book of John, I may have to go back slightly into 13 uh, to make sure uh, uh, the, the point is grabbed properly. Uh, but uh, what we have here is the right after the Last Supper. Uh, 
Jesus has come. Uh, it's now the evening before the time of him going to be led before uh, Caiaphas and Annas and uh, Pilate and Herod and Pilate and, and all that back and forth that they were doing there during that last night trying to pass the hot potato around to figure out what they were going to do with uh, what they were going to do with this man Jesus and who was going to eventually be the one to say, okay, uh, you know, uh, we're going to put him to death. Uh, as as he were doing that, he he has this last supper with his disciples, his apostles, his closest friends, and uh, you know the story as the as it comes to an end. Jesus is uh, talking to them and telling them about uh, where he that he's fixing to go away. You know, in a little while, uh, I'll just say uh, start with verse thirty three of John thirteen. He says. Uh, a little while, uh, little children, yet a little while am I with you, and you shall seek me. And as I said unto to the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, but ye also, that ye also love one another. That's re- making sure I read that again. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So, <clears throat> as he's leaving the supper, he marks that the, uh, the comment that among his apostles... Loving one another is to be a mark of the New Testament church and the apostles. And so for us here, uh, you know, it's just so important uh, uh, that we realize if Jesus said (laughs) that loving one another was to be the mark of his apostles and his disciples, then I would say to us as as a New Testament church here today, loving one another. Well, how do you do that? Okay. Uh, By kindness, by words, by visits, by seeing, by all of these things that we do. And by coming in here, and uh, I'm reminded of the Old Testament proverb, uh, if a man is to have friends... He must show himself friendly. Uh, you know, uh, that's an admonition for all of us. Some people might say, well, I go up to this place or that place, and, and they don't, nobody speaks to me there. Well, take the lead. <laughs> Do it yourself. <laughs> go out and be friendly yourself. If a man is to have friends, uh, he must show himself friendly. Uh, that's a proverb. And so he tells us here uh, that as he's teaching them, he says, I want to give you a commandment and my com- Oh, by the way, should I should I read read that and say that again? Uh, it's like a conversation I was having not too long ago about, you know, the Bible says husbands love your wives. Uh, it does not say husbands love your wives if they're having a good day. Uh, it doesn't say husbands love your wives if they're all smiley and cheery today. Uh, it says Husbands, love your wives. It's a commandment. Uh, uh, It's a commandment to us to love them all the time, every way, as much as possible, uh, to show our love to them. And 
wives are also to submit themselves to the leadership of the husband. And no, that's not all the things that sometimes, uh, you know, people, men have made that out to be. Uh, but submitting themselves to the leadership of a loving husband who loves his wife like Christ loved the church. So anyway, uh, a new commandment. Uh, it, uh, we we kind of, I read over stuff like that sometimes that he reads. Jesus tells his apostles, a new commandment. I give unto you a new commandment to, that you love one another. It is not optional here in the church. It wasn't optional uh, uh, for the New Testament apostles to say, well, you know, hey, I, I like John pretty good. But now Peter, you know, he's a little, I'm a little question about Peter. And boy, uh, uh, some of these other guys, Matthew, you know, Matthew used to be a tax collector. Who could love him? I mean, you know, you, you follow, follow my... Jesus looked at his disciples, and, and you've got to follow this probably too. This is around the same time or just afterwards uh, uh, when uh, John and James's mother had come to Jesus and said, uh, uh, Lord, I just have one favor to ask of you. When you come into your kingdom, uh, I'd like you to have your my boys uh, uh, sitting one on each side of you in your kingdom. And, uh, <clears throat> and the other disciples heard this, and they were quite upset at her request. Uh, and not not only that, Jesus looks at her and says, uh, you don't know what you're asking. It's not my place. It's the Father's place to s- decide who's uh, sitting on his right and on his left. And, of course, we know who's on the right. It's the Son of God. So, uh, anyway, so uh, now, so he looks at them and he says, you know, the potential is here. The potential is here that as I as I'm getting ready to leave, because that's what this what I'm about to go into. Really, what I'm already starting into here is the very last thoughts and sermon that Jesus Christ gave his apostles as they were here in this world together. And and so uh, as as I was thinking and meditating about this, sometimes I, you know, as a as a primitive Baptist preacher, you know, you, you got you have to make uh, you know wry comments or whatever. No, you don't, not not really. But uh, you know, maybe my personality. I'm thinking, okay, I'm about to leave this world, and I want to share with my family uh, or my closest friends. Uh, what I want them to know. Well, boy, I've got to make sure they understand predestination and election. And I've got to make sure they understand, uh, uh, you know, the regeneration. And all, you know, the Holy Spirit calling and all. I've got not what Jesus talked to them about. He's departing from them for the last time. And, and uh, he, know, he knows. We don't know what's lying in front of us. We don't know what this afternoon is. I don't know what the next 60 seconds is going to bring, uh, much less this afternoon or tomorrow or anything. But Jesus knew just what was coming. And he looks at his apostles and his disciples and he looks at them and knowing they needed to be together. They needed to be unified. And we can look back at a situation like that and say, well, yeah, they needed to be unified. But, you know, sometimes here in in our church, uh, uh, no, we need to be unified. We need to be together. 
We need to be together as much, uh, uh, you know, to be together and to be together. Uh, and uh, uh, I know we're going to be together with him one of these days in heaven. Uh, but while we're here, uh, let us be together. Uh, let us uh, uh, let us let our minds and our hearts and our thoughts, as we're assembled here this morning, not be down the road, not be thinking about this after. Don't be thinking about tomorrow. We can uh, we can x out basketball and football for a few months, you know, and and. Uh, don't have to be thinking about that, about yesterday's loss or victory or whatever's going on with that. Well, we can we can set our hearts and minds here for just a little while on loving one another, and not only that, loving our Lord and loving Him so much that we give Him our attention and uh, and praise and singing and hearts and prayer and 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 as we look at His words and say, Jesus told us this. I want to, I want us to think about the fact, sit in awe for just a little while and think about Jesus has left his words for us that the very last thing he had to say to his apostles, we also have it here for us. Uh, here this morning, and so uh, uh, as they're departing from the supper, you know the, know the story. They rose up from the table. He laid his coat aside. Uh, he washed uh, his disciples' feet. Uh, he tells them, "A new commandment I give unto you." And Simon Peter, as you also know, uh, uh, tells him, uh, uh, "Whether thou goest." Uh, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, whither goest thou? You know, a lot of times we talk about, uh, uh, as we get over into the next verse, Thomas talking about, uh, you know, where are you going? We don't know the way. Uh, Well, Peter said the same thing. Peter, whither whither goest thou? And Jesus said unto him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now. Oh, You can't follow me now. It's not your place and your time. You can't go the way of the cross, Peter. uh, But thou shalt follow me afterwards. Uh, Your time's going to come, Peter, but it's not now. Uh, it's not. And Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. You know, I I believe, uh, I I really do. I believe Peter meant that. Uh, That wasn't just a... Just to comment, I think he proves it later on in the garden. I mean, Peter, from a from a natural standpoint, would have gone to war for this man, Jesus Christ. He pulled out his sword. He took a whack. Uh, I always like to say and think about, he got Malchus's ear, but I can assure you he wasn't aiming for the ear, okay? Oh, Malchus was a soldier, and he knew how to dart just a little bit at the last second uh, uh, Peter was aiming for the head, and I think it's by the grace of God he got the ear, okay? And then uh, Jesus restored the ear back to Malchus's, uh, 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 full, fully healed, uh, uh, to show, and told Peter, put your sword away. Not Now's not the time. In fact, he, uh, he, tells, uh, he tells Pilate a little bit later in conversation uh, when Pilate's wanting to know, are you the king? Are you uh, the king of the Jews? Have you come to be the king of the Jews? And Jesus looks at him and says, if my kingdom were of this world, then would they fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. The problem today, I, you know, I could... Uh, 
I could I could throw out to, uh, some things. There are there are churches that are more organized around their, having a kingdom in this world than they are at us coming together and worshiping and praising God for the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, uh, uh, the glimpse of glory that we get here. That we come together for those reasons. There's more about organization. There's more about hierarchy. I don't, I don't have to paint too many pictures for y'all, do you? Do you get, the, get all that? To, about hierarchy and position and about move. It becomes almost like a secular uh, government and kingdom uh, of this person trying to elevate above this. And it's all political about who can rise up in authority and all those things. Totally against what Jesus had in mind for his kingdom in this world. Haven't made much progress on this last message, have I? Okay, so as Jesus is coming here, he's teaching them. And Peter's saying, oh, Lord, I'll, get, I'll lay down my life. He said, it's not your time. It's not now. You can't go the way I go. You'll follow me later, but not now. And, uh, and then, then he tells him, and y'all have heard me mention this particular verse of Scripture several times over the last several months probably, or last month or so, uh, but I'll do it again. Because I'm, I'm going to try to go right through this 14, 15, and 16 chapter of the book of John and look at it and think about what's he telling them? And how does that how does that relate to us today? What should we get out of all this? I mean, Jesus is, is living leaving them some of the most important words he's got. Uh, and not only that, I think, you know, if, if you jump, if I jump ahead of myself for just a minute, not only did he give them this message in John 14, 15, and 16, but then we turn over to John 17 and we find him in uh, praying. And what's he doing? Praying for them. So he gives them his words. He gives them the, the latest, greatest, best, last message that, to, you know how, how I know it was the best? Because Jesus did it. <laughs> uh, Jesus gave them the best words that he could give to them at that moment in time. Then he kneels down and prays for them and says, Father, keep them from the evil of this world. Sanctify them through thy, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And I'll tell you today, for you and me, uh, was I was blessed. I was telling Sister Sharon, I'd, I'd gone down, I, I went down to uh, Sulphur Springs Church down in, uh, down in Mississippi, just across the state line. If you go in between here and Amory, uh, uh, you go down there and back down in the country. And uh, I went to a meeting down there yesterday and uh, just went. It, it, I knew they was having a meeting this weekend. I just wanted to go. Didn't know if they had any preachers invited or didn't have. I get down there and Elder Michael Goins is there. Uh, and Elder Buddy Abernathy are there. And, uh, and, and so the, as one of the messages that they were giving, they was talking about, you know, how do we, how do we face the troubles and trials, uh, the struggles that are going to come in this world? Uh, you know, talking, talking about if we, if we turn just a moment with me, uh, I'll turn away from the message long enough just to get this. That uh, in Second in Timothy chapter 3, he says, Know this, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. And then he goes and tells us exactly what's going to happen. Uh, and as he gets toward the end of this chapter, he says, uh, talking about evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then he says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and so forth. You know what we're to do? Just continue. 
Just keep on staying in the Word. Keep on preaching the Word. Keep on reading the Word. Keep on worshiping God. How are we going to face? And uh, perilous times are going to come. What are we going to do? But thou continue in the things that thou hast heard and learned and seen of wise men. As I look to this generation and... Uh, I know there are those that are here that are older than me, uh, and I'm I'm certainly thankful for that. Uh, and uh, but as I look out on the on these on this younger generation, uh, uh, if the Lord doesn't come again and by lifetime, uh, then you're going to be that next generation that's going to be here. And and I'm going to tell you, perilous times are going to come in this world. Perilous times are going to come to Christians who are who stand up and believe and, and actually take a firm stand for God's Word. And you say, well, Brother Charles, that's not very encouraging to stand up there and try to say, uh, I'm giving you, it would be like telling you, uh, uh, or maybe uh, give an example, it's something like this, you know. Think about how, uh, how beneficial it was that God showed Joseph down in Egypt that a big, uh, that a big, uh, play, uh, What's the word? Uh, famine. There's the word. That a big famine was going to come. You know what he could do? He could prepare. Now, I'm not asking y'all to be preppers. I'm not asking you to go home and uh, and get all the food stored up in the cabinet and get the batteries over here and the crank up rate. I'm not asking you to do all that kind of stuff. But what I'm telling you is be prepared to continue in the word and continue in the things that thou hast learned and heard and seen because the best example you can be for your children and the next generation is to show them by your life what you believe and how to live and how to act regardless of what's coming into your house on the TV, on the internet, on the radio and what the friends are doing and what everybody's doing down the street. Jesus didn't say mold yourself into this old world and kind of try to fit in. He said stand out, Uh, be different, Uh, be, be different from the things of this world. So he tells them here, let not your heart be troubled. I've I've said this, so I'll repeat it. Uh, It doesn't hurt to repeat uh, things. He didn't say, he did not say, let not your life be troubled. That would have been that would have been totally contrary to everything that I've just read. Everything that that the Bible teaches. Uh, You're going to have trouble. I used to, Brother Charles, again, that's not a very encouraging message. Uh, as as we get older, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I got good news for you. Good, the good news is uh, uh, you can live a long life, have a, have a wonderful time, have uh, wonderful husbands and wives and things that will bless you and children to train up and raise. All these things may lie out in, in front of you out there somewhere. And, uh, uh, but I got a, another message for you. If you live long enough... Everything about your body is going to break down, wear out, uh, and uh, and uh, get to where it doesn't recover from whatever you've done or whatever you're doing as fast as it once did. <clears throat> I'm not trying to you know trying to make you feel discouraged. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Uh, but let not your heart be troubled. Don't don't sit around and fret about it. You know why? Nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do. You can you can do all. You know. I always think about uh, the. Uh, I think I got the book. I think I've got one of the books at home. You know, uh, Jim was it Jim uh, Jim Fix or Jim 
wasn't kick because I think he was a football player. Uh, that he wrote the runner's book. He wrote the runner's book. I mean, he was one of the guys that this jogging craze and getting out and staying healthy, man, this, that was the thing to do. You know what happened to old Jim? <laughs> he had a heart attack at age 50 while he, after he'd been out running. Uh, I got news for old Jim. You ain't out running death. <laughs> Uh, you might be able to boost things by a year or two. Uh, uh, you might even uh, uh, be able to live in such a way to stay a little more healthy. And you might live a little longer. And if you live a little longer, I got news for you. Stuff's still going to wear out. <clears throat> and if you live a little longer, you'll, you'll, you'll be blessed to see children and grandchildren. You might see great-grandchildren. What a blessing to think about. Well, it's, it's wonderful to think about. <clears throat> But you might see them. You might see them from sitting in a wheelchair, and you might see them from sitting down at home. Uh, you might see them from somewhere else. But you're not getting. If the Lord doesn't come back again, it changes in a moment, a twinkling eye. You're not getting out of here alive. Brother Charles, you are so you are, you got us all pumped up here this morning with, with all this discouraging news. Now I'm trying to tell you, Jesus was looking at them and saying, "I'm going away." And, and Peter's wanting to go. I want to go. Thomas is wanting to go. He says, not, not now. Your job is to stay here, and I give you a new commandment. Love one another. You know what's going to make the difference of how you feel, even in your old age, from now to the time you get to where you, uh, you can't move and can't go? Loving one another is going to make a difference in your life. It made a difference for the disciples. It made a difference for the apostles. It made a difference for the new church. You know what? I may feel terrible physically, but I got some people that love me and care about me. And, uh, and I will tell you, if nobody does here, he does. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas says, hang on a minute. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and we'll get to that, okay? Uh, so first of all, he, he, he tells them, love one another. I'm going away, but if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. Now, Brother, Brother Charles is not up here preaching that heaven wasn't complete. I think there's a, there's a picture here for us, uh, like I've taught on other numerous occasions out of these verses. There's a picture here of the Jewish wedding that takes place. And the wording is almost exact. Uh, what would happen at a Jewish uh, Jewish wedding? There would be a young woman that was betrothed to the to the, the bridegroom, uh, and the bridegroom would go away uh, to to his father's house. That's what he would do. He would he would leave uh, the bride and go to the father's house and build a place there for her. And the interesting thing about that custom was uh, not only did he go and build a place for her and him to go and enjoy together, but even when it was finished, he couldn't go back to get the bridegroom. I mean, the bride, the bridegroom couldn't go to get to the bride again until the father said, 
it is time. When the father said it's time, then he can go get her. And so no man knew the time. No man knows the day, the hour, the moment except the father. Why? Because the father is going to be the one to tell him to go. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. For you and me, the encouraging words while we're waiting here is if he's going to prepare a place for us, he will return again and take us home to be with him. And he says, whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, today we sit here and say, Yes, we know the way. Uh, In fact, he goes on and tells us the way. Uh, But we have words recorded. Why is it important that you continue in the things that you've heard and learned and seen and so forth? So that we know this. So that we know this here today. I'm I'm in the waiting room. (laughs) Sometimes I go down here to my doctor's office, uh, Dr. Mosley, and... uh, I, I, go, I go down here, and I'll tell you, I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. Uh, people like to go down there and see him, and, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you have an appointment. Uh, you're going to be down there waiting till it's your turn, whatever, and uh, you know what? You know who decides it's my turn? They do. <laughs> they decide when I get called back and so forth and so But, you know, sometimes it can get frustrating in the waiting room. Y'all ever get tired of waiting? I'm not just talking about it at the doctor's office. Sometimes do we allow frustration to get into our lives while we're waiting for the return of our of our bride, uh, bridegroom to come? Do we get frustrated with life? We just get kind of cranky and tired and grumbly and so forth. I'll tell you, He's going to prepare a place for us and he will return. I'll tell you the best thing we can do. Maybe the best thing we can do in the doctor's office is sit there and say, you know what? Uh, I may be waiting right here, right now. Uh, but one thing I know for sure, I'm going to get in to see him before I leave here today. And uh, so I ought to rejoice. And while we're waiting here, knowing that we've got a place that he's going to prepare. And he told Thomas, Thomas said unto the Lord, we know not whether thou goest. And, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. You want to know the way? I'm it. And, and I'll not dive back off into what I did when I preached on this back several weeks ago so much. But just to say, there's no other way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. It's not my belief. It's not my confession. It's not my faith. Uh, it's not some other God. Uh, it's not a church attendance. He is the way. I'm not saying church attendance is not good. Uh, I think there's a re- there's another reason why you attend church. You attend church to hear the message, to be strengthened, to know about God, to know that we're in the waiting room, to know that there's a place waiting for us. There's a reason we te- uh, attend here, but our the reason for attending is not so we can go there. <laughs> He's the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. No other way that you get there but by by him and the work and what God gave him to do on the cross and the shed blood and the redemption, the buying, the purchasing of you. There's no other way but by him. I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. If ye had known me, 
You should have known my father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. So if you think you don't know the father, if you think you don't know God the father, uh, but you say, I've seen Jesus, uh, you've seen the father. Everything he did and everything that's recorded about what he did uh, is a representation of the Father and his, his will. Now, I'll dive off down this trail just, just long enough to mention this. Because today in the world me and you are living in, uh, especially as we're out getting, you know, maybe confronted by other people. Some people will maybe ask you, well, where do you go to church? What do you believe? Uh, Tell, tell me a little bit about that, or you know, it's a weird name y'all have got. Uh, whatever, whatever you know, the comments and conversation uh, conversations are, and, and you know, somewhere around it may end up with people saying, "Well, God, that wouldn't be fair uh, if if that what you believe and so forth." Well, uh, I, I want us to know when we read God's word, the Bible tells us First John chapter four, a couple of places in there uh, that tell us God is love. But you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say all that God is, is love. It lets us know that God is love. God is compassionate. God is caring. God loves us so much that he gave his only life. He gave his only son for us and he died for us. Uh, uh, But I'll tell you this. (coughs) I want you to not miss the other picture. I want you to not miss the other side of what happened at the cross. When we look at the cross, on one side we can sit there and say, you know what? I see the marvelous love of God that he gave himself. He was beaten. He was uh, tried. He was accused. He was spit upon. He had his flesh torn off of him. And then he was nailed to a cross and he gave his life. What love, what manner of love is this that we should be called the sons of God, right? What kind, of lo- what kind of love is this? I mean, the, uh, the greatest unknown love of life. But the love and compassion that you and I received through his death came at the hand of the pouring out of the wrath of God on Jesus Christ. God didn't make the, God didn't make the, uh, the, uh, the soldiers beat him. They did that because they wanted to. But I want you to, the, probably one of the most mysterious things that happened out there some almost 2,000 years ago, that day that we talked about last Sunday on, on, uh, on Easter, one of the most mysterious things that happened there that day was the fact that from the noon hour, from the sixth hour of the day to the ninth hour of the day, from noon to three o'clock in the afternoon, as we mentioned here last Sunday, couldn't have been an eclipse. Three minutes. Uh, three hours were what occurred that day. It went dark for three hours. And Jesus Christ cried out on the cross that day, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Suddenly, the Son of God, who through all eternity had always known the Father, had always seen the Father, had always been with the Father. Now, because my and your sins were placed on Him that day, the wrath of God was poured out on Him. And it went dark. And I'm telling you, to me, I get a picture of this. I see a picture of the fact that it Jesus Christ went through hell 
that day on the cross. And the reason he did that was for you and me. But that was the wrath of God. Being absent from God. That's part of what eternal torment is. Is being away from the presence of God. It's having God not there. And I'll tell you, if God's not here, sometimes we look around this world and we think God's not here almost. But I'm telling you, if God truly wasn't here, summer and winter and spring and fall and seasons and growth and blessings, all of that would be done away with and darkness would be upon the face of the deep, my friends. Even it, even as it was uh, uh, in this, before there was a creation of things and, uh, and this whole world came together. Uh, so so there, there was a darkness there that day. So anyway, what I want you to see is while, while we focus so many times on the love and the mercy and the grace of God, through his death on the cross, I want you to see that uh, the uh, the love and the mercy that you and I enjoy came at the price of the wrath of God being poured out. So why was that? Because God's law demands payment uh, for for sin, uh, and if and if and if you and I don't pay, somebody had to pay because God is not only love; He is justice. Uh, his law will be fulfilled when he says, "Here's the punishment that will be." Uh, you know, if a man, if a man, if a man's ox gores another man, if another, if a man uh, mistreats his neighbor, and all the law had all these things written down that had to be done, and all of those things never took away a single sin, but sin had to be reconciled, sin had to be paid for. And Jesus Christ paid for it on the cross. So, I am the way. <laughs> Charles, you went off, I, went, I went off down that trail and back, didn't I? Okay. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me and the blood that he shed on the cross. If, if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And, and, and Philip, saith, uh, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? Uh, he, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Father, believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. If you, I'm telling you, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, but if you can't quite get that, look at what I've done. Look at where I, you know, can you imagine? Uh, I, I, I try to try to come 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 to this and think about this. We just had, the Bible tells us we talked about this. You know, twenty twenty five to thirty three percent of the gospels, as you look at the gospels themselves, the individual Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, twenty five to thirty something percent or more of those individual books are written about the last week. Of Jesus' life. Yet he was here on the earth 30, uh, th- uh, 33 and a half years, yes, but his ministry was three and a half years. And you look at the amount of material that's filled up talking about the last week of Jesus' life. Can you imagine as the disciples thought about what he had done? And, and they're thinking about, hey, 
I can almost get this picture after he's gone. You know, they went and hid because they're scared, okay? But as time went on, and maybe they were together a little bit, can you remember, can you imagine them sitting around and saying, you remember the time uh, that he calmed, that he stepped out of that boat and calmed the sea and said, peace be still, and boom, the water stopped. Do you remember that time we were out toiling and been toiling in the boat all night long out there? And Jesus came walking to us on the water. Peter, you remember that because you got out and went out there and walked out to him for just a minute. You remember that? You remember how he healed the blind man? Do you remember how he made the lame to walk? Do you remember how... And, and can you imagine all three, three and a half years of... Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? Surely this was Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christ with us, the Son of God. This was Him. We had the Messiah. We walked with the Messiah here day after day after day. We don't have, we don't have that privilege, but I'll tell you what we do have. We do have a record of what He did, and we have faith that God has given us because of the new birth, and we can believe and follow and trust and say, He told me. He was coming back again. He told me he was the way. He gave me this. He gave us a commandment. Love one another. Love one another. It'll be the mark. It'll be the mark of the New Testament church and my disciples that they have love one to another. Well, i tell you what. You look out here. You look, you look around us right now. You want to know how some people get things done? They make, the late, they make the latest signs up. They go down to the local square and they march and they chant and they yell and they scream and say, this is what I'm demanding. This is what I want. Uh, I'm going to try to, uh, you know, bring out the latest things. Uh, not only am I going to march, I'm going to protest. Uh, and I'm going to show you if, you, if I don't get what I want, I'll tear it up or I'll shoot it up or I'll kill somebody. <clears throat> That's how the world works. Jesus said, love one another. Have love one to another. He did not say, love everything you see going on. He didn't say, approve everything you see going on in the world. He didn't say, uh, 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 don't ever condemn uh, somebody that uh, needs to be reproved or rebuked uh, because they're living a way that's not appropriate. Uh, but he did say, uh, Well, I'll put it, uh, Paul told us, but he did say, tell the truth in love. He left record for us. He said, you you, you need to tell people the way it is, but he didn't say go and sit them upside the head with a baseball bat and tell them about it, and I'm going to make you like it while I'm doing it. Uh, No, he said, tell the truth in love. Just be straight. Just be honest. Tell them the way it is, but do it with a compassionate heart. I love you. I care about you. I see you're making an error. I see you're doing doing something wrong. You're not doing what you should be doing. I'm trying to guide you and direct you. Why? Because we're to have love one to another. Uh, that, that not only works here at church. It works in our home. It works in our families. 
uh, I may have to admonish. Uh, uh, my children came up, and I, I, I wish I could say uh, I did. I did really good at this, but you know, I, I know there's all the times I failed and just failed miserably. Uh, uh, but you correct them, and sometimes you, as a parent, you just get plum aggravated uh, and uh, and say and 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 let your let your nature come over itself. Uh, but you know what? <clears throat> Stop and pause and think. You're trying to train them up. You're trying to grow them up. You're trying to raise them up to be, you know, and, and you want to be an example for them. <laughs> Say, well, Brother Charles, I am an example for them. Yeah, but are you a good example for them? Uh, you know, we're always an example for our families, for our husbands, for our wives, for our children, for our grandchildren. That's, we got, we got a new challenge these days. We got to be an example for the grandchildren. Uh, you know, I want them to remember uh, uh, that maybe sometimes I didn't let them always do everything they wanted to do. But if I told them, I tried to come in, tell them in a loving way, so that they know I love you, in spite of the fact I'm saying no. <laughs> can't do that right now. Can't can't tear the can't tear the house down. Uh, uh, not gonna let you tear the house down. But I love you. Uh, anyway, while we're doing all this. We have a new commandment. Love one another. This is, this is really just the beginning of what Jesus begins to try to go through and tell them over these next several chapters. And, and, and I want you to get this. What we're going to go through, I'm, I've spent an hour, see, here talking about some of these things this morning. I've gotten how many verses down to about verse 10 or 11 or some, uh, well... Uh, verse 11. I've got through 11 of, of the 14th chapter here this morning. And this is just the beginning. Jesus goes on in this very last message. And I want to encourage you all to read it over the next, next coming, uh, the coming weeks. Read this, read this message and think about what he's telling them. Love one another. Uh, keep my commandments. You know, follow, follow after me. I've given you, uh, you know, how do you, how do you keep his commandments by loving, loving one another? That's a way to show that he's, that you're keeping his commandments. I'm going to, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And then, then he continues on and talks about the fact, I want you to bear fruit. You know, there's some, there's some speculation, by the way, that this met, this message was actually a walking message. That as they left the Last Supper and they're heading toward the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was talking with them and telling them these, these things as he walked. I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love one another. And the very there's the idea that maybe even as he was telling them, I am the vine, ye are the branches in, in chapter 15. Maybe they were walking by a grape, grape vine or grape vineyard on the way back toward the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, I'm the true vine. You're the branches. You get this? And he, and he goes on and begins to tell them, bear fruit. Bear fruit in this old world. Bear good fruit. Bear good things while you're here. Uh, and then in, in chapter 16, he looks at them and says, don't be trouble. I'm going away. And they're going to treat you. They, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. So I got, I got news as disciples and followers of Jesus. If the world doesn't like you, hey, you're in good company. Uh, <clears throat> he never did tell us to uh, try to be men pleasers and try to make the world like us. He told us to love him, set our affections on him, and care about him and love one another while we're doing it. May God bless you as we try to look through some of these things. It's just uh, 
more impressed upon my mind than it has been lately. We're going to take a look at it. So may the Lord bless us and uh, bless one another.